Hello. Welcome to Mind and Movement, the podcast, where we discuss mindful movement through dance and through life. Today on the podcast, I have a very special guest, Kevin Belisario, who is my friend, teammate, and director. And he's somebody who pushed me to start my podcast and somebody who inspired this podcast because he has his own, check it out, at Of Like Minds. We talk a lot about dancing, building consistency, building longevity, the duality with strengths and weaknesses, and just overall his story and his directorship. I hope you enjoy. Thank you so much for listening. And let's get right to it. Hello, welcome to Mind and Movement, the podcast. Today we have Kevin Belisario, and he is my teammate, my director, and also the person that encouraged me to make this podcast. So thank you. <laughs> Why don't you <laughs> introduce yourself? Tell us who you are and what your background is. Oh, man. Well, first of all, Justine, thank you for having me on today. And I'm really proud and happy to be here and to share the mic with you. Uh, that being said, hello, my name is Kevin Belisario. Uh, Filipino, born and raised in San Diego, California, went to performing arts school, middle school and high school, and then I eventually did undergrad at UCLA and got a bachelor's there. And now I'm back in San Diego. So here we are. Yeah. So just to get into it real quick, um, we had a conversation about, you know, short-term goals and long-term goals and basically trying to build longevity. So what does that mean in terms of being a dancer? building longevity building longevity as a dancer I feel like I was very lucky to have had the training that I had so being exposed to like not just being a one-trick pony but being comfortable and like I can put on any hat and feel comfortable in that sense Mm -hmm. so I think longevity comes with just being versatile I think the same way that would apply to the nine-to-five or having more skills than just what um, more technical skills are just hard skills like people skills and all these sorts of things. So I think I was very lucky to have been exposed to that. And that was just kind of what I had to do. And then realizing later on, like, oh, damn, all those hours at bar and ballet and all these different styles, like play into my movement currently today. So I think the more that you're exposed to ultimately will just benefit you and uh, help you teach and, and perform in the long run. So definitely just having your foot in a lot of places and having that experience, um, not just being a one-trick pony. Yeah, I feel like when dancers are dancing, they focus a lot more on just like doing choreography or like gaining movement. Mm. So I guess like what are some of the other skills or aspects that go into dancing? Well, before I get into that, I kind of quit hip hop for like a few years to focus on like the other styles. So like ballet, jazz, tap, modern in high school. And during that time, I was always kind of nervous to cop back in because that was around the time when ABDC happened. And that was when, like, I don't want to say this word, but just because that's what it was labeled at the time, Mm -hmm. uh, it was called and labeled urban movement, urban choreography, which Mm -hmm. has now been, you know, eradicated. But during that time, I remember, like, seeing, like, oh, this is a different way of movement. This is, and a lot of people were kind of getting into dance. And so I wasn't around when that was first developing. Mm -hmm. And I found the transition back into there 
was a little bit easier than maybe if you didn't have like technical or foundational training. And that's just because I was exposed to just like foundational hip hop and then like foundational technical styles and more technical styles, like your ballet, jazz, modern tab, all that sorts of stuff. So I felt like that really just benefited me in coming back into it. So that's why I say like that first question is just being able to just feel comfortable and not like completely awkward or two left feet uh, when you do like a random style. So I don't know, that just really, really helped me uh, hopping back into it. How do you start to feel comfortable when you get into a new art form? Man, how do you even start? <laughs> well, I can only speak on my experience, right? right. Um, I, I think you just have to have that confidence, whether it's you're generating that out of just like thin air. That's what I had to do. That was That worked for me. And I think ultimately down the line, once you do it long enough, then the confidence will feel more real. But especially jumping back into it is very like kind of make it till you make it. Like you had kind of have to hype yourself up because you know you don't believe yourself like no one else will. And so, and you really have to sound so cheesy, but just like you have to really think that to let that vibrate and let that exude, and for other people to even remotely think like, oh, like he or she or they like have that confidence. So I was really just trying to be my biggest fan especially jumping back into it because from 2000, whatever it was, 2007 to 2011, like a lot of things changes, especially in dance. And there was a big shift in movement. So I was just like, this is completely different and I got to do what I got to do. So I just, I had to have confidence in myself and uh, kind of a little bit of arrogance, but not like in a way like I'm better. It's just like, no, I've done this and I can, I can keep up. And it's weird saying that because like retiring for a few years and you're like, <laughs> you're like what 17 16 like you know what I mean so that that's just kind of what I was going through and you know high school is is already awkward in itself so I was super weird then so but definitely just having to hype myself up having to believe and just having to have that confidence and then from there you know people would believe you and then mm. you would shock yourself and believe yourself mm. so it's like fake it until you make it but like when did you feel like you weren't faking it Hmm. I would probably say it was during the years that I took a break because that allowed me to not feel at the top and that allowed me to be humbled and grounded and like oh man like this is really hard like stretching is really hard and like getting your splits at least for a guy or at least someone of my like flexibility that's very like below average I had to really work for so I think having lived on top of that mountain for a while being like oh I feel like I could really do this in terms of hip-hop and doing that since I was a kid and then really tuning into the other styles that groundedness made it like easy to fall in love with it again because there was so much to learn does it make sense mm -hmm. so I don't know just with with that like I don't know being grounded was was huge for me and can you can you answer the question or can you ask the question again? I feel like I've just got lost with what no, you okay. asked and I'm like I'm getting lost um, in my own thoughts I'm so you... sorry no, no, it's okay. I, I like it when people go on tangents too. Um, <laughs> when, <laughs> when did you feel like you stopped faking it? I guess like after you got back into um, choreography. There it is. Yes. So I felt like I stopped faking it when it was definitely sophomore year of high school. And luckily for, so the school I went to is SDSEPA, San Diego School of Creative Performing Arts. And around that time, they started bringing in choreographers from around the world. And luckily, 
they had brought people from Alvin Ailey. Alvin Ailey is a company studio in New York, New York City. And some of the best people I know, uh, Christopher Huggins, I was in his piece my sophomore, junior, and senior year. And that first experience was maybe noticing him seeing something in me that I maybe didn't see in myself. And then having to hear that over and over and over and over and over again, the rehearsal process to be like in that style and contemporary, like I was technically like average, nowhere near the top. But I remember him calling me out and saying, I don't know what, what all of you are doing, but like, and all of you have a lot of great technique. He's like, but Kevin's working. And I'm talking like, I didn't stop. Like I was always working. And so I always prided myself on just like, working really hard because I always felt like I had to play catch up, especially when I took this break. So that three, four year gap I'm telling you about right now, there's a lot of catch up. And I felt like it was that moment when I started to really feel that reinforcement of like, he sees something that I don't even see or feel in myself was then that started to make me think that if he can believe then what, why am I not believing? So it was really that time of sophomore year working so closely with him and then came back the following year and the following year and just got more and more and more uh, confidence and more support and then kind of led us to here. So definitely that sophomore year. So it took, it took a, took a little bit to get there, but it was definitely support from a guest teacher mm-hmm. that uh, wasn't even from San Diego. So what I'm hearing is, and I feel like I resonate with this too, but it's like somebody stopped and acknowledged your progress. Mm-hmm. Like even if you weren't there, like they acknowledged that you were working, right? Yeah. Okay. I guess the question to you now as like a director or a teacher is like, how do you implement a culture or community that rewards progress over product? You know, it's, it's so tough. And you and I have talked about this a lot. Yeah. And it's tough because it, you know, as for us dancers and artists and creative creatives, yeah, we kind of have to leverage our social media to like, get traction to like the work that we do Mm -hmm. and it's tough because I think all of us kind of searching for likes and those reshares and whatever kind of boosts your social media status Mm -hmm. it kind of makes us more so only look towards the destination and not really appreciating the journey Mm -hmm. and that's really fickle because once you get there or you get that what else is there and you you miss you miss the important things you miss the progress you miss the ups and downs you miss the life lessons that are learned in that process that you're just going to completely overlook and you're never going to realize and I think if and that's the thing is like if you don't realize like we have so much potential and I always tell it to all my students so I feel like us chasing like things that don't really matter we miss all the important things like learning those life lessons things that actually matter and we're all just kind of chasing, like, we're all just chasing bullshit at the end of the day. <laughs> and just w- whatever makes us feel good or makes us feel cool in the time being, like that short-term mm. stimulation, right? That satisfaction rather than like, no, like I actually have a true, like sustainable, like skills or life lessons that actually like give me the wherewithal to like withstand whatever adversity I face later on. So it just depends on what people value, but I mean being cool is like that's like kind of what's valued and you know what I mean Mm -hmm. so and I think that's what sucks and I'm guilty of it too I'm sure you are you're you've been guilty of it too but I think once you start to really realize that and be okay Mm -hmm. then 
you know, I think we can move on better. And just a quick aside, like when I started my podcast last year, I remember for the first two or three months, like I would like, I would literally constantly be like, Mm. like refreshing my page i'm like dude there's only like 30 people watching like this shit like that's crazy and even still now like there's some i'm like well like some people watch these episodes and i'm starting to see like the i can see the plays on the back end like people who watch on spotify people who watch on like chromecast on so i like i used to get so caught up in that and then it just became a point where i was like you know the most important thing like the only goal i told myself was that i needed to do one like i need to post once a week for a year and I feel like that consistency is like so difficult. It's kind of similar to the push-up challenge thing I did earlier last mm-hmm. year. Is like, I feel like consistency is such a overlooked skill. Very that. If I can just do if I can do it consistently every single week, like that would be a huge goal for me. And so mm-hmm. when I started looking at it like that, as opposed to like how many people are watching, um, I started to be happier. And a lot of people have given me responses that never see the light of day, like reaching out to me individually. So it became like, what was really important to me? Like, what did I value? So likes is one thing, but I think it definitely, it kind of stains like the culture in right now. And ultimately like appreciating the progress where I feel like we were more patient before. And I think now we just kind of want quick results, quick, you know, you want to see the end product and we want to just, we want to be there already. Yeah. I don't personally like it, but it is what it is. I feel like it takes a lot of discipline to choose not to get caught up in that. It does. I mean, like, like I said, it's it's taken me a while. I, I can confidently say it took me until maybe, you know, honestly, probably COVID. Mm-hmm. Because I think prior to that, and you know this as well as anyone that, that follows me or sees my stuff is prior to COVID, it was just all about like, everyone's marketing was me, me, me. Everyone's purpose was like, look at what I'm doing. Look at my brand. Mm-hmm. I was posting classes, I was posting the news pieces I was making, whatever, like every, like anyone else trying to advocate for themselves. And it wasn't until COVID hit where I lost everything where I was like, what's really important? And then realizing like, damn, like isolation is really lonely. Yeah. And really like saddening. And and I realized that, damn, like podcasting, like this is a, this is the idea. And I told you this before, it was an idea I had years ago that I just never acted on because I was like, let me focus on dance right now because this is ephemeral and I can only do this for so long not knowing that this was actually going to be what I love more during this time, especially. So, and then just being able to highlight other people and just like this, share the mic with you and just be taking some time to spend, spend time with people that inspire you. So it's taken a while, but I'm glad it's, you know, better late than never, right. Better mm-hmm. late than never. Definitely glad that I've learned. So there was like a shift between like you looking at the metrics and then like being really caught up in the metrics and then like changing your goal from one that's, I'm, you know, like short-term growth, I guess, to like just building yeah. con- consistency is like what I heard, question mark. Yeah. I just feel like that's so hard to do. <laughs> just the consistency part? Yeah, I feel like how, like, how do you, you know, I guess like that's something that, at least for me, like I have to constantly remind myself. Hmm. Like, do you feel that way? You know, that you have to like remind yourself of this? You know, I, I have to give a shout out to a friend of mine that was really the root of where this started. Uh-huh. So this is actually a quick little story. Uh, I, you know me, I'm very, I can't just tell you, I got to give yeah, it no, a, go a for reason. It. So my first job I worked out of college was, I was actually in Boston and I was in Boston for a summer and I was working with the, the Boston Ballet mm-hmm. and I was there and one, my old director from so UCLA, I was on NSC Modern, which is basically Nikkei Student Union, which is a Japanese student organization. So I did NSC Modern for only my freshman year. 
And my director at the time, his name is Richard Go, And Richard's super awesome. Shout out to Richard. Um, Richard's a fr- fucking beast because he double majored. So he was a med student and he did like communications and he was a dancer. I was like, dude, you're crazy. He ended up going to Harvard med- Medical School, keep in mind you. So we actually met up during that summer in 2015. And I remember p- one of the things that stood out to me is I was trying to pick his brain about like, how do you balance doing all this shit that you're doing. Like you're literally in med school, you're still dancing somewhat. That's just a whole nother beast, right? And he's at Harvard of all places. And I remember him telling me at the time he he had downloaded an app called Chains, which was kind of like a consistency app. So it's like, if you did something for the day, you would like mark it in the calendar and then just like, it would keep making a chain. And he told me that he, it worked for him because he, he understood that he was a gamer and he was competitive. And he felt like if he can turn uh, these habits and kind of cater to his strengths. So he had to recognize, you know, be self-aware, like what his strengths were. If he can turn like those things into a game, he can actually like cater to his, Mm. his strengths. And so I knew I'm a very competitive person. And so it's very overwhelming to look at things like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta climb this mountain. Right. Whereas you look at it, like if I take one step at a time, it's a little bit different. You start to break it down to smaller increments. And so that's kind of where I really like, we, we know it, but then when you see it and then when you hear it and then you see a living example doing it, you're like, damn, I can take that and I can do that and apply it to myself. So I've always been very big on just like never tackling something head on. There's a way you can be tactical about it and like figure out what works best for you. I understand that I'm extremely competitive. For those that know that have ever played sports or danced with me, you know that about me. And so I just figured... If I need to get to this point, how can I get there? I'm not going to get there in one day. Like I have to break it down. So shout out to Richard because that was really the first time where I was like, wow, that was like, that was perfectly said. And it was right on my alley because he's competitive. I'm competitive. And I literally downloaded the app, started doing things and, and it was great. So definitely a huge inspiration from a very good friend of mine. Do you feel like you still, do you still use that app? No, uh, you know what? I think I recently, I think right before I started doing the push-up challenge, like for myself, it's not even a challenge, but <laughs> right before I started doing that last year, I think I looked it up and I don't even think it's an app anymore, but I thought it was, it was the greatest thing for me. Cause you just see your chain just, yeah. it, get, it just links and gets longer and longer. And you're like, dude, like this is, it's like, it's literally a game. So it, it helped me kickstart a lot of good habits and it was perfect timing. Cause it was right after college. So I was like, Oh, like, finally in the open sea and now I got to you know like kind of gave me like a life raft and gave me a chance to to do well post-grad oh my god I've seen I've seen a TikTok that was like you get one of those like calendars and you put a big ass like x on the calendar <laughs> and then you see the chain like that's literally what you're talking about that's also that's like a thing now yeah like, oh my god okay life, that makes happen. me want to like do that because I haven't done it <laughs> it's cool I I highly you know for those whoever's tuning in I think it's helped me and like I said you have to recognize like what your strengths are. Everyone's strengths are different. So that just worked for me because I'm super competitive. And I was like, easy, done. Could do that. So. Okay. Moving on. I don't even think I put this in here, but just, you know, talking about <laughs> you as a person and your strengths and yeah. your roles, talk a little bit about all the different roles that you play as a person. And then mm. also like how your strengths show up in those roles all the roles I play as a person and how my strengths show up. That's a loaded question. That's a lot, Justine. That's a oh lot. Go ahead. Talk I'll try my hours. best. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. I'll, I'll try my best. Well, first of all, number one, uh, I am an only child. Mm-hmm. So 
to my mom, my dad, I'm, I'm probably the biggest headache still. So still trying to learn, still trying to learn and shout out to all the only children out there. Cause it's not, it's not fun for those that think that not <laughs> being fun. only child is like spoiled life. That wasn't my experience. I was definitely not, but only child cousin, I'm obviously a son. I'm an uncle sad that I, I was supposed to start taking care of my nephew and then COVID happened. So it was like a month. It was literally this time last year that we were, t- I was talking to my sister and uh, you know, COVID happened. So that kind of had to get put on hold. I am technically, I know it's kind of contradicting. I said, I'm only child, but I recently met my sister the end of 2019. So it's still kind of getting used to like, oh, like I, I do have a like half sister, but still my sister. So wild. I'm a brother. <laughs> I'm a friend, I'm a teacher, I'm a dancer, I'm an educator, but I think ultimately I'm just I'm just a really curious human person. Mm. I like diving into the multiple different like different things. I think I get bored of things really easily. Mm-hmm. So I like to just keep learning. I don't know if I told you this, but I started uh I started repicking up little by little. Again, it's like the chains game. I, I downloaded a I'm trying to be bilingual by the end of the year. So I, I I'm trying to repick up Spanish again. So I downloaded an app. Cause I was just like, you know what? Like, it'll just be a good thing to have my resume. Like, oh yeah, like I'm bilingual. Like, and I know so many people can say that. So it's not a big deal. But for me, like I took Spanish in high school for three years, don't remember any of it. So I have to go back and got to start from the back, from the bottom again. So. Ooh, this is a whole ass tangent and you didn't even (laughs) answering the other question, but you spoke about language (laughs) and I love talking about language. um, Okay. Because. I think in my head, it's super comparable to learning how to dance. Mm. Do you find <laughs> like, do you, do you get what I'm talking about? Or should I like elaborate? <laughs> you should elaborate, elaborate for me and the audience. Okay. I feel like, so when you're a beginner in the language, you're usually just like trying to pick up certain words or like certain structure. Mm. Right. Yeah. And I like, you try to remember each individual word. Like you start with like, hi, how are you? Yeah. And then eventually you get to a point where you're like, okay, like learning these words aren't enough. Mm. So I should learn the structure of this language or like of grammar or, you know, Mm. like what makes this language the language. And then as you are learning this, when you start becoming better at it, you like group things together Mm. easier and then when you're like an expert in a language, you can use your own words to structure sentences. Absolutely. Is that does that not sound like dancing to you? No, no, that <laughs> does. I mean, I just honestly like I, I didn't think about it like that, but that was really well said. Yeah, I'm definitely still in the stages of just memorizing and like learning the pot of beret and the kickball <laughs> chain and the bounce. You know what I mean? So for those that know dance language, so I'm definitely in that memorization, but that is the goal. And that's, I think that's when things get to truly be fun is when you're not memorizing or you're not just, you know, spitting back like exactly what you had just, you know, kind of learned, but like actually applying things conceptually. And like you said, like putting your own, everyone has their own spin to the same thing, right? You and I can learn something and then you can kind of do your own variation and I'll be like, oh, I didn't think about like that, but I thought about like this. And then we just, we exchange from there. So I love that. Yeah. I think about that all the time. The comparison of language and like dance together. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're bilingual, aren't you? Yes, I speak. There you go. Mandarin. Mandarin is actually my first language. 
But then I came to America or I was born here. I came, went to China, I came back to America and then I learned English and now I can't like, now my English is way better <laughs> than my Mandarin. So, so don't, isn't that like, correct me if I'm wrong, but aren't those basically the two most difficult languages, like technically, like to learn or to, um, I don't know. I feel like Chinese grammar is a lot simpler and then mm-hmm. Chinese characters mm-hmm. don't, that does not, I cannot compute. There's like thousands of characters and like, I, I only recognize maybe like 500. <laughs> I mean, that's still pretty maybe less. Before I interrupted you about the whole thing about um, language and dance, you were talking mm-hmm. about your roles, right? So um, a yeah. lot has to do with like family and then others have to do with mm-hmm. like dancing. Yeah. Right. So like, so going back to like your strengths, I know you said that like cur- curiosity is one of them. Mm-hmm. What are your other strengths? <laughs> um, curiosity. I think just diligence and just going for things and just keeping at it is, is a big thing for me. So it's mm-hmm. once I find something that piques interest and I just go into it and then I just stick my head in and, and do it. Or if it's a space, I'm a hundred percent invested. It's either like a hundred percent or I'm zero percent. It's very, it's, there's not really an in-between for me. So I guess I could be a strength and a weakness. Mm-hmm. I've always prided myself in, and maybe the story I, I mentioned earlier alluded to it. But work ethic, I think, is is one of my strengths because I've never felt like I was ever the most naturally gifted or talented. I always felt like I had to like, okay, there's someone else I can can kind of measure myself up to in the class or the studio, and like, okay, I need to, I need to, someone else is there. It's possible. I'm not there. I need to get there. So I always understood that pretty easily. Maybe that's just because like in Filipino culture, it's just kind of like you understand seniority really easily, or maybe in Asian culture overall so like in terms of like a level thing i was very keen on like okay someone's there already i need to be there let me let me work because i know i'm not just gonna naturally and you know there's there are those people's there are there are those like anomalies just like you're so good you don't have to try and it's not to their own fault it's just like you just gotta like that and i don't so definitely say the work ethic due diligence persistence uh curiosity you know, okay, sorry, another tangent, but <laughs> I'm just like this. I feel like <laughs> I feel like I used to think that, like, oh, people are more anomalies than not. Like, it's not like, <laughs> ethic, you know. It's like, it's like yeah. they were just born that way. Like, I used mm. to think this a lot. I feel like I don't think that anymore. Huh. Huh. Right? I don't know. Like, I just that? I just want to poke at your mind because I feel like. As long as you know that, like, you have to work hard, like, you get to a place and all of the people that we see that are successful have their own fair share of, like, discipline and, like, working hard. Of course. So just to be clear, so you're saying that you just, you don't feel like anyone's really, like, naturally gifted. Everyone at some point had to work really mm-hmm. hard, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, maybe I, I I worded it incorrectly. I When I was saying that, I was more so referring to growing up in dance and there are people that are just naturally 
gifted in certain ways. For example, someone may have, for those that are familiar in ballet, like someone may just have really good pointed feet That's true. or have extremely good turnout. Like just, they can literally like 180 degrees is they're not sweating. Natural flexibility, just a natural gifted turner, a jumper. I'm like, damn, like, can I have, I was maybe a turner, but that was it. Like, damn, like, you know, some people did like, so I think those, Mm -hmm. that was kind of more so what I was thinking. And I don't, I don't want to take away and say that whoever is successful has reached like a really high status. Didn't like, they just kind of got lucky. I was really more so referring to those moments back when I was growing up in dance and in the studio, just to clarify. Yeah. Yeah. That, no, that makes sense. Do you feel like, okay, so just to speak on myself, right? Mm -hmm. Because this is something I've been thinking about on the daily. I feel like I was born or at least, you know, like held up to this, like she's a gifted child. She learns things really quickly. So Mm -hmm. this was like my, my identity as a kid. And now I'm realizing like, yes, like I do learn things kind of quick, Mm -hmm. but the detriment to that being like a strength is that it shows up as a weakness where it's like I lose patience with myself often Mm -hmm. so then I don't have the discipline that you do that like to get myself through things because I just lose so much patience Mm. I just wonder if that like shows up you know in ballet where like if people have like a really good toe point Mm -hmm. is that ever not a good thing (laughs) Like is it ever not a good thing? Yeah, like contextually, like it could be like a a weakness. Like every every strength. Okay, in my like every yeah. strength weakness is just like that one trait in different contexts. In my opinion. Yeah, yeah. So like, anyways, I I think in the instances where you you might be referring to is a lot of the people, not everyone, but a lot of the people that were naturally flexible or had those particular like wow like. Her arches are beautiful. Yeah. You, you tend to almost lean into those things too much where then you're not performing as strongly. Maybe you're, you're, you're losing your torso and your arms are like not really engaged as, as they should, but you're like, damn, I can rely on my, like my leg, like up to my face. And like, my point is beautiful. So I think there's always a balance, right? There's always a balance that I've, that I've noticed. So I think maybe to answer the question is just, if we have those strengths, at least in dance from what I've noticed growing up, Mm -hmm. is that we'll tend to lean in too much to our strengths rely so heavily on those things and we neglect other parts that are just as important because everything is part of the picture right Mm -hmm. so maybe just leaning into the strengths a little too much Mm -hmm. and not focusing on the rest of the body or the performance Mm -hmm. okay that's just an observance for like ballet yeah what do you think is your flip side (laughs) to your strengths you know (laughs) Oh man, and dance or just like as a person or what yeah. is it? Dance or as a person, you tell me. <laughs> uh, well, what do you want? You tell me. Okay, let's do dance first. Dance as do a dance, dance first, okay. So what are my biggest weaknesses as a dancer? Oh man, how long <laughs> is this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> um, I will definitely say, without a doubt, one of the first things that comes to mind is especially just coming back into the community because I was I was literally out of the community for so long is being a clean dancer mm. when I when I grew up dancing because I started so long ago it wasn't about being clean and matching everyone it was more so really enjoying and loving what you do and that created more of a sense of growing as an individual and you just so happen to be sharing the space and it was a social aspect mm-hmm. so being clean and like hitting these particular angles and lines is 
it was it was whether it looked like it or not it was hard for me and grown-ups it was hard to blend in and then for cookies the same thing that adjustment it was hard to blend in it's like and then i'm like taller too so it's just like damn like this really sucks because i don't have those years of training that other people do and it seems like you can just be clean no i think that also comes with the hard work and the practice that we talk about so definitely cleanliness and fitting with an ensemble for sure is something that has always been tough with me and that that my directors have said to me in the past so i'll definitely say cleanliness is one thing Mm -hmm. number two i think even maybe being more staccato with the the movements and what i mean by that is naturally i like to just uh move and when i dance i kind of think of myself when i dance naturally when i create i create as if i'm writing cursive so the stroke doesn't stop right this the you're, you're if you've ever been in my class whoever's listening to this you're always buoyant you're in your plie like it just that's just how i would that's just how i enjoy moving that's how i learned and that's just what i love so for me to go from tick to tick, tick tick like all these interruptions it's it's just a different way of moving a different way of thinking so cleanliness dancing staccato and like those interruptions that's a whole new concept for me that i'm just learning um and then i think lastly i think like anyone else i think and I've said this many times, I think dancers, we are some of the most critical people. And mm-hmm. I think the longer you dance, the more critical you get, because we literally live and die in the mirror. We look in the mirror, we're just like, that was terrible. Like, why didn't I hit that? And you, same thing with the strengths we were talking about. We neglect everything else that we did well, and we'll pinpoint that one little section, like that hand was off. So yep, I think that's just kind of something that's, that's an easy cop-out answer. But I think every dancer, I feel like, can say that everyone's such so freaking hard on themselves. So I would definitely say being clean, that staccato movement and all those interruptions, like that's just a whole new way of thinking. And then just being really, really hard on myself. And then that ultimately taking my energy away and then that affecting others. And that just has a whole ripple effect. So those three definitely stand out to me in terms of things I need to work on and things that are weaknesses of mine as a dancer. That's wild. So like, cause I think like you stand out like as a dancer, but I've always thought of it as like, see, like, this is like the duality of things, but it's like, I've always thought of it as like, oh, like I want to stand out. Cause I get <laughs> as a strength, just seeing you're such a clean dancer. And I'm like, that's great, ah. but I don't stand <laughs> out. You know, like, I don't, I don't even know like what my own movement is. I spend so much time like trying mm. to look at like, like other people. Yeah. And so like people who stand out like you or like Danielle is always like, how the fuck, yeah. how the fuck do I do that? <laughs> so, so no, so it's like kind of interesting because I'm out here like admiring the flip side of your weakness, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then like same thing with like flowiness, like, mm. like I prefer the kind of like flowiness you have, like when you dance. Mm. So like, I like that. Anyways, that's just cool. I appreciate um, that. Anyways, talking about the last the last bit of the weaknesses that you listed, right? Like being okay. really hard on our, ourselves, which is something that we all do as dancers. Mm-hmm. How do you stop yourself from doing that? You don't. You just continue to be that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, I couldn't even tell you because I am still currently working on that. Not just not just as a dancer, but I think even as a person, mm-hmm. I I tend to when I make a mistake or when I know I did something wrong and like, I should know better it kind of close off. And it, it just, like I said, it just affects everything moving forward. And I think I have a lot of friends that 
just can handle that so much better. And as much as I try to talk to them about it and I try to like observe and see when you try to internalize that and apply it to yourself, it's really difficult. I like, I'm like, I'm 27. Like I'm still trying to figure that out and I've been dancing for a long time. So I think that's just going to be something that is going to be one of my challenges. That's just going to continue for, for a long time. And that, and that's okay. Right. That's okay. Because I'm okay. Cause I like, I like to chase those kinds of things. It'll keep me engaged and it'll, hopefully I'll learn one day, but <laughs> it's, it's really hard. Like, I don't know. It's, it's cause that's just been like, I've only known myself like that. So to, to, to say like, what can I even do is it's, that's kind of, that's kind of the life coach thing I was telling you about earlier is like, like it's to that point where now you're not just asking yourself, but now I'm like, okay, let me talk to sources that I trust to like, Hey, can you just, can you just examine me and like, like tell me, like read me and, and help me out and how can I get better from this? So I've definitely taken some steps in terms of reaching to people outside and saying, Hey, like, you know, me pretty well, what are things I can do? And then I think it's just about like actually doing it, which mm-hmm. Which is very contradictory because I'm I'm very much about that, but it's been really hard. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, so, I think it's yeah. hard to figure out on your own. Yeah, I mean, I think that's if anything, COVID has taught us, right? Is whether you believed it or not before, you should probably do now. But I think just being in your head mentally or mental health and wellness is extremely important. Yeah. And up until this point, I've never really had like a session with someone. So for me to do that, I like already knew like, yeah, this is, this shows me that this is growth, but also at the same time, this is like a real thing and that we need to take this seriously. So just, you know, to those that are, whoever may be going through their own things, and I think we're all going through a lot during COVID, Mm -hmm. uh, it's okay. And I didn't even think I was going to talk about it here, but you know, we're all, we're all, we're all in it together in in that cheesy musical (laughs) high school musical line, but we are all in it together. We're all in it. We're going to figure it out. We're going to figure it out. We're going to work at it. And you just got to be consistent. And that's like something I can lean into. I'm like, I know I'm going to just keep doing it. It's going to happen eventually to when it's going to like, when I, when will I prevail? I don't know, but hopefully sometime. (laughs) When are you the most critical of yourself? I am the most critical of myself when I do things that I love or I'm engaging with people that I love or anything of that matter. So when I'm, you know, podcasts or connection or or dancing or teaching and then something doesn't work out, that's when I get really hard on myself because I'm like, man, I love this so much. I enjoy this so much. And then I'll see something that I could have done better and I'll just kill myself about it. So I think those are the things that most... Do you have a specific like example of like something that you felt like it didn't work out? It didn't work out. Yeah. <sighs> My God. Just anything like dance related, just anything. Yeah. Anything. Oh man. Okay. So this is a funny story. And I actually, I actually mentioned this on an earlier podcast of mine that hasn't come out yet, but I'm going to say it again. Okay. So for those that don't know, I, I used to be a part of Block, Block Talent Agency. It was like when I was a kid, I used to go on auditions in LA. So I was, I was very much one of those kids. And I remember one of the, it was probably like seventh or sixth, seventh grade, I think, seventh or eighth grade. Mm-hmm. And I remember I'd, I auditioned for the Kids' Choice Awards to perform, uh, you know, the Nickelodeon, the, the slime. Yeah. So 
I remember doing that. And there, there's a couple kids, a couple of my friends actually. So Colton, he used to be in all the Capri Sun commercials. He had like the frizzy hair. Uh, my friend Scotty, who we used to dance on Future Shock San Diego together. Shout out to Scotty and Colton. I remember it was us three and then one other one other boy that made it to the finale. And then we get to the end and they're like, hey, like you guys all booked. Like, oh my God, this is awesome. Great. And I think my, I was with my mom and my dad's dad so my grandpa at the time and then we had called family like oh this is so exciting like i'm gonna be performing the kids choice awards whatever 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 and then i remember two days later two days later i remember we got an email and it was like hey like because of because of just like the look we actually decided to only go with two dancers and this unfortunately i have been really short all my life like i was four eight up until this point and i had a little growth spurt and they cut the two taller boys of the four. And I was one of the two taller boys. So they cut us because of height. So they took the two shorter boys. And I remember, I remember thinking and being like, that was my first, that was like just the main audition. And I've been on so many cattle calls, but that was the main one where it came to like, it didn't even matter about my ability. It was just like typecasting. And like, that's just the look they weren't going for. Mm. And I remember already understanding at that young age being like, if I'm going to do this, like you have to have one tough skin, but two, you have to understand that it's, it's, it has nothing. To, it really doesn't have too much to do with your ability. Like how many times I've made a top cut and then you just get cut for something has nothing to do with your ability. And I think that was a realization. Like that wasn't, I was still curious about the industry, but it was like, I kind of had that scar to be like remembering that and like, do I really want to sell my soul and get into that? Because yeah, so that was just definitely a memory that, that uh, resonates with me. And that's always stood the time. And I've always told people because it just brings to light that, you know, you could think everything works out and then it just kind of, it just doesn't work out. And, and that's okay. I was devastated at the time and it, it motivated the hell out of me, but looking back at it, it's just, it's a good memory to laugh on. I don't even know if that answered the question, but you know, <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, it definitely did. What did you even ask me? I don't I feel remember. Like I was definitely on it. You definitely think, asked me about some a time that. Oh yeah, a time that you felt like you were really critical of yourself. That's what I asked you. Yeah, yeah. So like, so what I was saying, how like it it ate at me. Like I just remember at the time I didn't understand that. Like I was just like, why wasn't I good enough? And that's the worst thing as a kid, like just questioning things about like literally personally like personally being invasive, being like, why am I not good enough? Like, what did I not do? Like, what else can I do? Like, was there something I was missing? Like, it was just, you're just confused. Mm -hmm. You're just confused. And, and that's the worst, right? You're just kind of left in the dark. You don't really understand it. It's kind of like the PG answer. Like, Hey, we're just looking for people. There's the, the shorter people. Like you literally told us two days ago that we booked. And yeah. so it was just a lot of introspection, a lot of questioning. And, you know, I remember it, it didn't really, it did eventually motivate me, but for, for a while, it, it didn't make me want to go back to class mm. because it was just like, you get closer and closer and closer. And then you actually get it. And then you're like already in that headspace of like, Oh, I got to get ready for this gig. And then it just gets pulled from like underneath you. Mm -hmm. So I definitely, there was a lot of questioning and a lot of, you know, I, I felt like there was so many different forks that could have went down on mm -hmm. right after that. But, um, no, fortunately it, it turned out, it turned out. Okay. Yeah, I feel okay. So the reason I asked that is because we're talking about your your tendency to criti criticize yourself, right? Yeah. And then like that's like one of the situations where at least before you would criticize yourself a lot. And then eventually you came to the realization that like 
that was pretty much out of your control. Like there was literally nothing you could do. Yeah. So anyways, I think that's one of the answers you could have <laughs> Me out here giving you a, a life coaching session. One of the answers, yeah, there you go. some of the shit that you worry about or we all worry about is just not within our control. So like, don't worry about it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It hits different when you say that on air. I'm like, wow, I think it'll, I think it'll stick this time. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. I like, I love hearing about this. Um, <laughs> okay. I know I asked you this a while ago, um, okay. but I think I also just want to talk about like, why do you want, let's start there. Why do you want to do podcasts? <laughs> oh uh, man. So why I want to do podcasts? Yes. So the full story it's at the time recording this video, it's 2021 when I left my full-time job after graduating was 2017. And I remember already writing about it. I'm like, man, I want to do a podcast. I had, I don't have the notebook anymore, but I was writing about it. I'm like, this is going to be something because I, I enjoy this. I listen to them. I, I love it. And I think when COVID happened and everything gets taken away from you and you get back to that humble ground zero position, I started to think a lot and I always thought I like to use negativity to fuel me. And so I would always think about all the times that people I thought were really close friends, like in high school or in college, where they were like, oh, like, so you just dance? Or is that all you do? Or like, oh, like, you're just, you're just a, you're just a dancer. And I, I never liked the idea of being pigeonholed into just like, this is all you could do. Because it's just, I mean, literally the reason why I went through it in college is because at 18 years old, which I don't know who the hell knows what they're going to do for the rest of their life at 18. So excuse me. But at that time, my head was like, I love this. If I'm going to invest money into this, I'm going to do this. Yeah. It wasn't like, oh, I didn't want to be these other things. Just like if I'm going to, that's the way I looked at it. I wasn't going to just do something and be unhappy. And I, I enjoyed it and it was worth every single penny. So why I say this is that, that, going back to the, those early times in high school and, and in college and, and, and hearing those things from people, the, those naysayers or people that just doubted, that always kind of stuck in the back of my head. Mm. And so I was always curious. Me, I was like, I know that I've learned so many things in dance. And for me, dance is kind of probably answering your, your, some of your later questions, but dance, is, dance has truly been a vehicle for me. And that I've been able to learn all these different skills and not only just stay in this lane, but being able to shift and do other things that I do enjoy. And mm-hmm. one of the things I do enjoy is connection. I've always been that person to check up on people that, that I'm close with, even if it's been a while. And it, it's great to talk to someone a year out and it feels like you just talked yesterday. And so I was like, let me make a platform that I've been doing this work all my life. Let me just make a platform for that. And then it, it still helps me stay connected. Mm-hmm. It allows me to spotlight people. And I feel like everyone has such a story. Yeah. And going, just going to my next thing of, of that, why that's important is I remember something that stuck out to me, what my mom said when I was a kid. She always said that, um, take the good of from everyone. Like everyone has something good to offer. And I feel like the way that that resonated with me with the podcast was that everyone has a story to offer. And it's very uncommon that we get, we get privilege of the time to like talk about ourselves and as much as it's like oh like what's the benefit of that it's like you if you think about it, it's like how many times have you been able to share your story 
and it feels good. Like yeah. <laughs> I've told you this, it feels good to yeah. who doesn't want to talk about and share with about themselves. And it gives better light into who you are and what you've done. It's like, damn, hearing Justine's story, like I can apply some of that or hearing my story. So yeah, I just felt like I can be maybe like that medium and to connect maybe two sides that didn't know they needed each other, that audience and that guest and see how that marriage can kind of, you know, be made. So that's kind of a gist why I made the podcast. So there's a little bit of inspiration from the naysayers and then just like tying in my strengths and what I enjoy doing Mm -hmm. and then just uh, making it the podcast. I love that. That's also kind of why I, you know, wanted to start this podcast as well, which is like, even even within dancing like it's really just so much like before COVID at least it was so much Mm -hmm. about choreography blocking (laughs) competitions performances right like and I feel like before COVID like yeah it was just that and it was very much lacking the story the human story okay so that being said podcasts are great but it's still like a almost like a separate almost like a separate thing from like the dance studio competition dance environment and and like one of my perpetual questions is like how do we make the dance environment studio teams whatever to reflect human stories because I haven't seen that Mm. how do you think we can make those spaces also highlight the humanity behind it all That's a lot. Um, that is. <laughs> I think, again, with anything with COVID has taught us, I think we it's a good opportunity for us to break from the conventional. So how we've been navigating these spaces and to answer your question, like the dance spaces, mm-hmm. you know, now we don't have the big performances and we don't have the retreats and we don't have the studio rehearsals to stay connected and, and, and grow as a unit. So I think it has to be a lot more on the introspective and the social aspect and like all the stuff outside of dance. Cause I think that also kind of helps, right. Is mm-hmm. maybe getting to know the person who, who is stage left of you, stage right, downstage, upstage of you. I think that's, I think that is important. And I think we do get little bits of that, when we do have the retreats and we do like go, you know, on the competitions and we have the all day events, but then again, it's also as humans, we tend to, in my experience, we tend to lean in towards things that are just familiar or comfortable. So we'll probably, we'll probably walk with the same people and we'll probably hang out outside rehearsal with a similar group of people. So it's maybe establishing a space where we can all understand that we should accept uncomfortability because we're all going to go through it together and maybe just learning more about each other mm-hmm. maybe not so much in like a formal setting so it doesn't feel like super like forced yeah but more of like an like a cypher-esque kind of bill where it just feels communal and just feels like everyone's participating it doesn't feel so intense where it's one-on-one because I know one-on-one it feels very comfortable for you and I but I know for a lot of other people I've podcasted or I've talked to they're like why do you like FaceTiming me all the time? I'm, like, I'm so nervous. Yeah. So it, it's, 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 it's wild. Cause you think that something that you and I feel comfortable with just yeah. hopping on here, it's, it's, it's like really like, it's like stage fright for other people. And I've, I've, trust me, I've seen, I'm like, damn, really? So yeah. it's, it's also being aware that, you know, 
again, our strengths are someone else's weakness, vice versa. But I think definitely learning more about each other and in, in having that balance, not being so structured so it doesn't feel like school or doesn't feel like so scholastic or I don't know. I just, everything is a balance, right? But right. I think definitely taking a step away from um, from dance, at least initially, and just learning about each other and to what, what way I don't know. But I think that's mm-hmm. definitely the right path. Okay, just to like challenge, I think a little bit more because I would love to see this on grown ups right and like <laughs> yeah and you're a director so like yeah and like i think like we do need to be trying new things in order to like make these spaces yeah in in like in theory what is like how do we implement it yeah no and and to be fair you've 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 definitely challenged me and, and reached out to me about this before so i've had i've had time to like let this marinate and think about this for me, I would maybe start with just creating other smaller communities that we can like relate to. So for me, like a way of being connected to people, like I've been like boxing with people and like, like trying to do like more fitness stuff, just little things. Yeah. I might not be able to connect with the whole team because time conflicts, because maybe not everyone's interested in like that physical fitness, but it is a way for me to like, to connect and to share another passion with other people and sharing a different space also brings different energy and different like things out of those people. You know what I'm saying? I feel like you go to studio effects enough. It's like, you'll see the same tendencies and you'll only see like people in sweatpants and you'll only see people (laughs) in the studio. Whereas, you know, now we're at a park and we're outside and things and you're a different day too, a different day and time. Just those environmental changes. It, even those small changes have, have changed a lot. Um, mm. So I, I would probably start with there just cause I feel like that feels natural. It, it kind of still feels, Hey, we're just hanging out, but we're still bonding in a different way. And we're able to share space and we're able to share passion and we're still working towards a common goal. So all the same, all the same factors that, you know, you would have like in an established rehearsal space or just kind of changing like the makeup of it. So I'd probably say creating an environment, that we're still passionate about it's a space that we could share and it could be like you know like like smaller pods of like little yeah. study groups like it doesn't have to inspire grown-ups like you mentioned teams like 50 60 people like <laughs> there's no way we're gonna get everyone especially in covid but there's no way we're gonna have everyone like outside of dance that's also interested in this other thing like, that's just not gonna happen that's dance for all of us but <laughs> i would be very like interested if you can find a second thing that all 60 of us would also just gravitate towards. So I think maybe tackling it in smaller bits and maybe that has to be with, you know, like the other directors, Carlo and Moore and and, and I, like, you know, we do, we know our strengths and we can cater to different people. So that's what I would say to kind of tackle this and how we would, that would be like my first swing at things. Mm. When rehearsals get back to being rehearsals, I'm going to talk to you about this. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> you're going to, you're going to hold me accountable. And I'm going to say, I don't even know what you're talking about. And then you're going to have the footage on your phone. You're be like, well, look at this at minute 35. And you're just going to show me. I'm like, dang. Yeah. That. Okay. I'll remember this. I'll remember this. Yeah. No. I'm, okay. So I'm going to go into like the fast, the rapid fire questions and then just oh, like snap. end it. What is your comfort song that you always go back to? Easy. It's called Closer by Guapale. 
and there's a there's there's a regular version there's instrumental and i used to stretch and work out to that song in middle school high school and then it was kind of like a it was kind of like a it was an anything song a detox it was a pre-game it was a post it was after studying it was before a finals like it could it was such a universal song for me if you listen to it literally okay. listen to it after this closer okay. by Coapale, and it's uh it's an amazing song it's very relaxing mm, that's so very cool. epic yeah. I love asking this question because it's like you get to hear what kind of memories people put in that song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Um, what is one of I know you hate to do this, but like the first thing that comes to your mind, okay. What is one of the most favorite slash meaningful pieces you've ever danced? <laughs> um, I would say first thing that just came to mind right now is Heartbreaker by Michael Jackson. And it was actually taught by a class I took in LA from Wade Robson. For those that don't know, Wade Robson is my favorite dancer and choreographer. And he used to choreograph for NSYNC, Britney Spears. Oh, he used shit. to work with Brian Feeder and all them. But I remember the first time I took his class, he he called me up. I was like eight years old at the time, keep in mind. Okay. <laughs> called me up, like pointed at me, it was like this. I remember it was at Millennium Dance Complex. And I just shook my head. And I literally started crying because I mean, classes, this was like in 2001. Okay. This is a long time ago, right? <laughs> classes were like i mean it was still popping so there was just like like there's like fucking 500 people in there i'm not even joking i was just like i cried i remember a year or maybe eight six to six months to a year later he taught the same combo and i just happened to be in that class and guess who we all called up again he called me and i was ready and it was cool because i got to dance it with him and uh it's it's so unfortunate that there's not footage of those kinds of things but that just sticks with me because it, it was just like the 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 simple triumphant story was just like damn like I really folded in that moment like I I literally cried in front of all those people I was embarrassed I I literally fell under pressure that was such a shitty moment and I remember like I went over that thing I didn't know if I was, he was ever gonna teach that again and luckily it just it was meant to be and he called me again like what are the odds of that so to be able to share the Millennium Dance Complex space with him and to to perform that I was just like damn. Mm. And, he, and he's like my favorite and he recently taught in LA and I and I posted about him like a few years ago I took his class and I told him about that I actually pulled up a picture when I was like eight years old because I took a picture with him and he was just laughing he's like this is amazing and so that's so cute that one's definitely that one's definitely special to me love that okay what is a mantra that you live by There's so many. I know this okay, is supposed name, to be name a, your top three. I, no, I know this is supposed to be a speed round, but there's so many. Be better than you were yesterday. Mm. Be confident in yourself. And I'm gonna take one from my friend Jordan Water. Shout out to Jordan. Uh can't stop, won't stop. It's just a hashtag that he's kind of lived by since he went to Cal Arts and I don't want to ever like say that that's me because that's not, but I mean, that just hits home. Like mm. it's the same with the incrementally doing things. Just you got to keep going. You're not going to stop. So mm. I don't even remember the first two I said, but that last one's can't stop, won't stop. <laughs> okay. um, I know you answered this already, but I'm just going to put it in here too. Yeah. Complete the sentence. Dance is. I know I said vehicle earlier, but dance is. Dance is giving me purpose. Love that. Okay. Complete the sentence. I am. I am a curious humanist. 
I love that. That's so good. You definitely thought thought this through. (laughs) So for this podcast, I wanted to raise awareness to an activism org that you cared about or they're doing something that you care about. So is there one that you want to raise awareness to? Oh, here you go. This is this is actually one that that that's uh, that I, that I thought about because I, there's a there's a famous there's like a there's a collectibles guy that I like I like to watch his videos and he he did a whole video raising for this uh for this for this um activism organization but it's, <laughs> the acronym is actually called NAMI and it's National Alliance on Mental Health Mental Illness excuse me and I think even especially with what I had told you in terms of you know, having like a meeting with a life coach and like, just kind of really check, like take, that's a big step for me to do that. Like, I'm very like, like, no, if it's not a broken leg, like everything's good. Like, but like really like that was like a big step. Mm. So I think, I think that's going to be the one that I'm going to go with Mm -hmm. just because it it kind of directly, indirectly kind of is kind of, you know, what we're all kind of going through. And I think I'm kind of really just starting to be accepting of. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So if that's cool, I would like to, I would like to give some love to the National Alliance uh, on Mental Illness, so NAMI, N-A-M-I. I think that's the one I'm gonna, that's yeah. the one I want to go with. <clears throat> so I was too awkward to give a proper thank you to Kevin because somehow it's harder to give thank yous to people that I'm close to. But thank you so much, Kevin, for being on this podcast and also just always taking care of me and giving me a lot of advice. I don't think I said this to your face, but I think of you like a big brother sometimes. So thank you for that. And yeah, thank you for the conversation. I found it really insightful and it made me really happy to learn about your experience and your thought process. Um, because that's something that I've been asking for on your podcast for a long time. And if you're a listener, I hope you had as much fun as I did listening to that and hopefully took away the message that building consistency is key. Thank you so much. I'll see you next week.